Hello, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast, where we talk about all the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host, Matt Rossi, and with me this week are two excellent co-hosts, uh, Alex Zebart and Ann Stickney. And here's where I ask Alex how he is. I'm doing pretty good this week. How are you doing, Rossi? Uh, physically, not great. How about mentally? Emo- spiritually? Is, <laughs> is, your, is your essence okay? Is it in balance? My, my chakras are not aligned properly, no. Uh, oh, sorry to hear that. Well, let's talk about you. What, what's so great? How are you doing? What's going on? Uh, I'm, you know, I've just been playing a lot of Heroes of the Storm again, because, I mean, honestly, what am I doing in WoW at this point? Uh, uh, doing a lot of preparation for BlizzCon already. Uh, BlizzCon is so ridiculous. I feel like I've already been prepping for BlizzCon for an entire year. We haven't even in, been in business for a year yet, but honestly. Um, yeah. uh, that's always BlizzCon, though. It, it's a very busy time for us. Yeah, it's it's the big event and everything. And this year we've got a lot of possible hopes pinned to it. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's our first it's our first BlizzCon as Blizzard Watch. So I mean, we have to we have to do it well. Yeah, and we so. want to do it well. So. Yeah, I'm sure you guys will. I won't be there, of course, because I never get to go. I mean, the people at home are just as important to us as people that are on the ground. There's there's <laughs> so much for everybody to do. Honestly, uh, the people who are physically there couldn't do it without the people who aren't physically there. So it's yeah, and a I'll huge tell you. Effort. We, we feel just as important and part of the thing when you guys are all talking about all the demos and stuff you get to play. We're like, <laughs> yeah, that's great, guys. But think yeah. about all of the things that you do for us at home as far as screenshots and, and writing things up and relaying information. Oh, yeah, and... I know. The day of the day BlizzCon happens, none of us get to do anything else. Like I tell my wife, I'm going to be in my office. You won't see me. Yeah. Forget, yeah, forget really I exist. All right. Since we've now covered, you know, why I'll be sad around BlizzCon. Uh, Ann, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good. I uh, kind of know what you're doing. We talked about it in the pre-show, but... I can fly now on Draenor. I got the achievement. I'm glad cool. you specified, because boy, was I confused. Um, No, not like literally fly. That would be kind of weird. And I believe I can fly. Physically impossible. I believe... No, wait, we can't do that. <laughs> we just covered it. right. <laughs> Copyright bad. I didn't sing more than a half a second of it. Thankfully to everybody listening to this show, because that's the last thing you want to hear. No, I, I got Draenor Pathfinder, so I, I finally learned how. How to... long did that take you? Um, once I actually sat down to do it, not long. It's just I had to wait for the the quest thing to kind of rotate through, and I probably could have bought the quest items from the dude outside my garrison. There were some people that pointed that part out, but I didn't really want to invest that much into it. I wasn't really that, you know, invested in getting it. It was just, hey, you know, before the expansion's done, I should do this thing. So um, mostly it was spurred because I figured out what to do with all of that gold I had piled up. Um, you know what you do when you have all that gold piled up? You go to the auction house and you buy Marks of the Burning Legion and you max out every reputation you have on Draenor. <laughs> oh, see, I did that That's what you do. by and large without trying. Like, I, I got my first medallion in Tanan uh, and I was like, I don't need this. And I turned around and sold it for more gold. I think the first yeah. one I sold, I got like 25,000 gold off. Yeah, there. see, I'm like, the lazy those... one that's kind of like letting you profit off of that. <laughs> do those medallions work for the Saber Stalkers? Yeah, yes. they work for everyone. Yes. The Saber Stalkers are where I'm like really in the hole, and it's really not something I'm enjoying doing. I don't know why. Matt, somebody's trying to steal a car outside yeah, of Yeah, I was going to introduce our fourth 
guest this week. See, I was in the middle of muting my microphone and closing the window. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what you guys decided to pull attention to the thing I was attempting to cover up. Good job, guys. This is why we're not in a heist movie. <laughs> All right. Yeah. This, you know what, it uh, it's pretty noisy. <laughs> what's really weird is what I've been doing in WoW is playing low-level characters. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I, I guess because I missed the low-level part of the leveling stream, my wife and I weren't rolled humans. Uh, I am playing a human. Oh, wow. Right. I haven't played a human since, like, ever. My wife rolled a priest. I ended up on a warrior because, you know, what was else was going to happen? And I have the craziest eye-beard combination. I, you couldn't do this back in, when I first rolled a human. I look like a crazed, demented, like, prospector going completely... Otherwise, I look like myself. Oh, cool. And, <laughs> okay. And we're wandering around. We just got done doing, like, we're halfway through uh, Red Ridge. Okay. We're doing the John J. Keishin quests. Yeah. And John J. Keishin's got himself ridiculously powerful Cephorium explosives. Yes, he does. He turns an orc town, an, or- an orc camp, into a crater yep. with two Cephorium charges. Always like, you know, I used to carry Cephorium charges around. They didn't do this back then. They opened boxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could open a padlock with them. Now they apparently take out an entire orc town. So, yeah, that was... that's. I've actually been enjoying it. It's funny. I, we've been doing it with no heirlooms. I, honestly, really, between the leveling stream and this, uh, I am totally, at this point, against heirlooms. I straight up hate them. I mean, I, I understand the role they serve. Um, not everybody wants to go through that process so many times. It's it's nice having the option. Like, uh, I just kind of want to get to max level as fast as possible. I'll throw my heirlooms. And the yeah, next the time is, you go, eh, I want to slow it down a little. I won't wear heirlooms. I feel like the heirlooms, that's not my problem with them at all. The level thing has nothing to do with it. What I don't like about heirlooms is quite simple. Once you have them, gear is just something you vendor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that, that's, that's why on the leveling stream, I've been going out of my way to transmog. Yeah, to, yeah. To, to give some value to these items. I mean, it, it, we're even uh, we're not using heirlooms in the leveling stream, but still, I think the level, the item squish still played a role in you go many many levels before you see something that's genuinely better than what you're wearing. I'm only seeing like uh, the problem we really have is that once we get into wrath content, though, because yes. BC to wrath is where the squish really gets noticeable. Yeah, because stuff is not upgrading like. What was it Liz said? Something about like 20 eye level difference between the bracers she had and the bracers she just got. Yeah. And the new ones were like one int better. Yeah. yeah um, I'm even running in situations about Warlock where uh, some of the Wrath items are straight up worse than Burning Crusade items. Or it's something like, okay, this Wrath item will give me two more kind of crit. Stamina. Yeah, it'll give me like two more crit at the expense of one point of intellect. Like that. that's the level of difference in this gear. But the eye yeah. level difference is huge, which is weird. Yeah, because yeah, they kept the old eye levels, but then they just squished everything down. So it's like the like I'm using a weapon from the end of. Yeah, I'm, I'm using a Black Temple weapon and it's like stuff that's dropping isn't even like it's like, yeah, I won't be getting an upgrade to this anytime soon. There's no way it, it's going to be this weapon forever. Honestly, that's kind of how it worked when I went like back in Burning Crusade to Wrath because yeah, I had I had like Black Temple weapons and I didn't get upgrades to those weapons until I had leveled all of the way and we were in Naxxramas. See, I, I actually had found upgrades when I was tanking before that, but the, the thing is is that that's still in Naxxramas. I don't think I'm going to be seeing upgrades till way past cr- Cataclysm. Really? Some Wrath, some Wrath gear will take you straight into Cataclysm. 
like not way past Cataclysm, even into like you know mists with the squish. It's really it's noticeable to me that nothing is getting any better. Yeah, uh, mists at the beginning of this expansion, I was taking a, I think it was my Death Knight. I was like, okay, well now I need to get this Death Knight to one hundred for because it's my inscription character, and I ended up not doing it because uh, honestly, I'm not doing Miss Pandaria again that soon after we finished it. But I was like, okay, I'm in like wrath gear still somehow on this character like i don't know how that happened there's some wrath gear and some cataclysm gear like but i'm going to miss in pandaria so these first items they get are going to be a super amazing upgrade and they weren't <laughs> it was just the same junk and it felt really bizarre yeah yeah the yeah, squish has had weird side effects like that but all right um we usually do this podcast the same way every time so we will do it that way this time and talk about some top stories. First top story we've already kind of talked about a little bit, but we should mention that BlizzCon is in a month. Yeah. Oh, one one month to sooner BlizzCon. than I thought. Yeah, okay. I got. I've this, got. Now I've suddenly have a lot of prep work to do. Yeah. <laughs> now <laughs> I've, I've ruined now their day. It that way. As, here, here, okay, hear the tone in her voice. Something that I hear a lot um, when I talk about working at BlizzCon. Um, uh, particularly, it came up in in. When somebody asked if um, it doesn't matter, point is a lot of people have this perception that us going to BlizzCon is like a vacation for us. Oh God, no! It is the hardest few days of the year for us. No, I mean if somebody are, no, <laughs> there's it's not relaxing. <laughs> before uh, before we got Blizzard Watch started and the old place was going down, like one of my thoughts was that at least I don't have to work BlizzCon this year. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. It is not a vacation. It is the hardest time of the year. So I just want to get that out of the way. Like if we are grumpy around that time or worn down, that is 100% work for us. It is a lot of running around. And Another way to think of it is quite simple. Think of it as any other convention that people go to for work. When you go to a convention, say it's, it's let's say it's a plumbing supply corporation in your convention, and you run a plumbing supplies corporation, you're not going there to party. You're going there for all the plumbing supply stuff. We BlizzCon is that for us because that's what we talk about all the time. I mean, it, it, asking and, in the chat channel, meeting with all your devoted fans isn't fun. No, that part's fun. It, it don't is fun. get me wrong, totally fun. It's just that on top of all of that, we also have everything else that we do. So <laughs> by I the mean, end of have, the, by the end of the it, convention, I usually take Sunday off and do nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we kind of we kind of go from being uh, kind of not particularly social people who work in an office and write and keep our head down and do our thing, and then suddenly for three days straight, we're on our feet running from point A to point B to point C from about 8 a.m. until 10 p.m for three days straight and by the end of it we're like wow what just happened yep it, it's a non-stop thing i mean it is it i will say it is fun in that it's a thrill and we get to meet people we typically don't get to but come sunday night we're like oh my god what just happened <laughs> well in addition to giving these two the you know terrors and sweats uh i should also mention that you know um, this the holiday was it? It's Hallows Eve. Is that what it's called? Hallows End. Hallows End. Hallows End. Thank you. Hallows End is is happening. It should be live by now, right? Or is that in a couple of days? Hallows uh, End is. I don't remember when it is exactly. Does it start? It should start soon. I'm in game for the streaming portion of this. So Check the calendar. Brewfest ends tomorrow. Uh, uh, Hallows End doesn't start until the 18th. Okay. Well, it's this month. 
And, you know, it, it is the holiday. And it's Dark, actually one of the... Dark Moon Fair is on right now. I'm bad because of... I've, like, totally missed out on Brewfest everything. Whoops. I did enough yeah. to get the Brewfest dress on my leveling stream. I wanted the pet, and I don't even think I can manage that now. I don't know. Yeah, I, saw, I wasn't really paying attention to it because it's these holidays, same old, same old, you know. But then I saw they did add new pets, but I only saw halfway through the festival, and I was like, at this point, I don't feel like grinding those out. And we're talking <laughs> so, over Rossi. I'm sorry, Rossi. I'm sorry, Rossi. <laughs> it's okay. I I don't do it for pets. I'm, Brewfest meant nothing to me. Uh, Hollow's, Hollow's End, however, I, I usually go for every year because the hat, the hat is cool. I the, like the hat. Yeah, the, the helm from the horseman? Yeah, the plate helm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's actually, it's funny because I got that on my Torin the first year it was out. And for a long time, that was that was the only picture of me on the, the old site was my Torin wearing that hat. Because when it was originally put into the game on a Torin, it was huge. Yeah. It didn't. It wasn't head sized. It took up the entirety of the Torin torso. Yeah, I remember it was, that. So I wandered around with that hat on for a very long time. Well past the point where it was useful because they didn't have transmog back then, but I wore that hat because it was gigantic. I really, I remember the day they shrank it back down to normal size. I was so sad. It's like, oh. I, I have distinct memories of the first year of this Hall of Hall's End when um, I would run that boss all day and all night for all of my guildies that wanted the yeah. pet. Everybody would swap in all their alts. Yeah, and. Nobody would ever get it, so it's like, okay, same time tomorrow. We're going to be here for another eight hours swapping alts and doing this boss. Yeah. In a I, way, I miss that. I do miss it in a way because it was this very uh, – It was it's very social. It was. It was social. There was a lot of camaraderie involved, cooperation. People would volunteer to get on characters to, to, to summon it again even though they wanted the thing on their main – yeah, and then uh, I, I say fact, this. I say this in hindsight. At the time, I was like, "Oh my god, I wish this thing was just dropped for these people so I can stop doing this." But now I'm like, oh, I kind of miss think times like that. Yeah, there is something like kind of sad about the fact that now it's just you run, run and done the one time. Yeah, yeah. Well, it would be to, nice. If you I had like a you know, yeah. I had a group of like four friends, and we would sit there to get the headless horseman's mount. And I think. Uh, Two of them had the full run of alts, like they had every max level alt they possibly could, and then I had like four alts. So we just sit there and systematically swap out alts to run it yeah. over and over and over and over again. Yeah, mm -hmm. I never got them out. I'm so excited this year though because I got them out last year, so I don't have to do the headless horseman this year if I don't want to. I think ultimately <laughs> what happened for me is when these bosses became once a day. Mm -hmm. You realize there's not necessarily a whole lot to these holidays. No. Running that boss over and over is what kind of made it an event. Yeah. And yeah. when that's gone, it's like, okay, well, there's like two daily quests, and that's it. I mean, there's nothing they else actually, in this holiday. They, they made Hollow's End at least more interesting story-wise. Yeah. When they brought in the Worgen and switched to like the giant Wicker Man outside Stormwind. Mm -hmm. But I miss I miss when it was like centered around Taran Mill and South Shore. And you would do like the smoke oh, the stink yeah, bombs. Yeah, you had to put the stink bombs down, and then the other side yeah. had to put the stink bombs out, and it was like, then, yeah. Like, see, I didn't like that because I, I don't liked think the, the alliance prank. did anything. The horde did the bombing. The alliance did the windexing. No, you're right about that. The alliance. Well, did the, the alliance did the windexing, the alliance thing, but the alliance also 
murdered any horde that came within a 20 foot radius. Why can't I throw the stink bombs? Plus, there was the thing the Alliance would do, because the Horde technically could do it, but it was much too far away. Uh, the Horde could go to Stormwind if they wanted to, but for the Alliance, going up to, to Lordaeron and getting the ashes out of the Wickerman was a deal. Like, it yeah. was a big deal. Whereas for the Horde, it was like nothing. They didn't really do it. You just go to Blackrock and then yeah. swing on around down. But for the Alliance, it was a pretty big deal. I... I there's just a lot of stuff that just doesn't work anymore in the modern game. That that was like part of that. Like for instance, for back then you kind of had to get up to to you know Scarlet Monastery. You couldn't just queue for yeah. it. So you actually had to bring all your friends up to Scarlet Monastery. I and of course, it, was, running... it would turn into a murder party outside, like you know, killing all the Scarlet people on your way in. Yeah, I remember that. You had to like make the trek up there, especially when it was like before they even had like the summoning stones. Outside the dungeons, yeah. you had to like, <laughs> you had to hike. You just had to hike. Or when you had to go to um, Shadowfan Keep, you had to hike through. For yeah, I remember, I remember especially, especially for uh, the Scarlet Monastery thing for the, for uh, for Hollow's End, is we'd always go up to that same point, uh, the near Anderhall, that flight point near Anderhall for the Alliance. Chillwind Camp, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Chillwind Camp. You'd always go up there, and then you'd ride up through uh, past Anderhall. And there's that, you know, there's that forsaken guard and that the place the right next to it. And you'd ride right through there. And, of course, the guards would all freak out and chase you. And it would be like, you know, under attack. And sometimes the horde would come out and it would, you know, turn into a fracas. But sometimes the horde would just kind of, like, wave you through. And then you'd all head up to the Scotland Monastery and start messing with yeah. each other up there. I mean, it's, as, just, it's just one of those things that, you know, queuing has taken out of the game. For better and for as, as dull as I find some of these holidays now... I know that when they were first, when they were new, I really enjoyed them. Like, they were a really good time. And I'm still a proponent of holidays and these short events as a way of keeping something happening in the game in between content patches. Yeah, if, if anything, we should just have more of them. More or of have them, more yeah. Stuff to or, them. like, be maybe revamped every couple of years or so. Yeah, like, surely, regularly. Surely Azeroth has holidays that don't line up with Earth holidays. I was really hoping in Pandaria that we'd get some Pandaran holidays because I figured if anybody knows how to party, they probably do. Them and the dwarves, you know, they seem to be along the same lines as far as partying yeah. up and everything. And we never got anything. And I was kind of sad about that. Yeah, they kind of updated Brewfest to include Pandaran in it. Yeah, but other than that, there was nothing. And I wanted to see some sort of Pandaran something. The, the closest thing we got was the Wandering Festival. That you could go visit yeah. to get the mm -hmm. stuff, but like that was it, really. All right, I guess at this point we should move on to emails because we've already killed 20 minutes of show. Whoops! Sure. I haven't even touched them yet. Uh, as always, if you have an email you'd like to send to the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. We're happy to look at emails about any old subject as long as it involves a Blizzard game. And, you know, that's the drill. We'd love to get your emails, love to talk about your emails. First one is from, I'm going to say Veilbrand, because he he provided a pronunciation, or she did. I can't tell gender by this. Uh, Hello, Watchers. My name is Veilbrand, and I have a question about age, specifically dwarves and elves. At what age would they be teenagers? What do they look like when they are 15 years old? Are they still children, or do high elves and dwarves look like normal teens around that age? In the RPG, it says that they reach adulthood at 40, dwarf, and 110, high elf. So does that mean that they age slowly? 
Also, are night elf children extremely rare? I've never heard of uh, of one in lore, and only seen one, a baby in a crib in Moonglade, in game. Do night elves just not have them, as their lives are so long? Thanks, I love listening to your podcast. Well, we can answer the second part real easy. Yeah, they have them. Uh, in fact, the Horde killed a bunch by firebombing uh, Estranar. True. Including um, the, the granddaughter of, of Frandal Staghelm. Flat out killed her. So yeah, you know, night elves do have babies. Uh, have babies. I, stand, just... I stand by Staghelm was was justified in his rage. Yeah, he was. His family was murdered. He know. totally was. Um, night elves, from what I've heard, it's not terribly common, or it wasn't terribly common for them to have children, just because. Yeah, why bother? Well, they were immortal. You know, yeah, it was it, one of those children were kind of a few and far between thing, but um, it wasn't unheard of. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't unheard of or anything. It was just it wasn't like a frequent thing. There was no need to bring up the population or anything like that. I don't know. That's, using Frandrel again as an example, he himself had a son at a point much later than the Sundering, and that son was alive and an adult around the time of the, the AQ war. In fact, the first that's war when, of the shifting sands. Yeah. Which was a thousand years ago. Yeah. And in fact, the, the night elf child I just told you about was in fact about a thousand years old. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> she, she was, a, I'll, I'll give you calling her a child at this point is kind of pushing it because she was a thousand years old because she was born at, around that time for to, to Leara, who was a Veilston. Was it Veilston? Was that his name? Veilston Sackham? I don't remember. Valston. I think it's Valston. Valston. And, and so basically, yeah, uh, they do have them. They don't have them very often. It, it, they may start having more now because, you know, now they're not immortal. Although I don't know how long they live. They, they're, they weren't immortal before the tree, and they still seem to live a very long time. So it's not. it's very possible they will have extremely long lifespans. I mean, high elves have long lifespans, and they're not immortal either. No. And... Yeah, and, so. I mean, if you look at the RPG guides, you can't really look at the RPG guides because those have been stricken from the record. They're no longer canon. They're entirely non-canon. They're, they're, but at the same time, that's the only frame of reference we've got. So when I discuss it, when I'm talking about roleplay and stuff like that, I generally look to them as a rule of thumb just because we don't have any other frame of reference out there. Blizzard has never officially released any kind of frame of reference like that. I wish they would. But they haven't. Um, if you look at the RPG guide, so I want to say Night Elves, it's like they reach adulthood at about 110 to 300, somewhere in there. And if I remember right, High Elves, Blood Elves, it was like between 60 and 110. That's when they become an adult. But it's not. I mean, I mean there's no way to really hammer down the numbers. Yeah. Uh, no... When you're when you're dealing with fantasy races, um, there's there's some things you have to consider is it biological is it cultural is it societal yeah i mean adulthood at 110 what does that mean does that mean physical biological adulthood does that mean that's when their society accepts them as an adult well, uh, for that matter i mean using humans as an example for a second some humans are physically fully mature by 15 like straight up you're not those people are not going to get much bigger they're just going to age. They're not yeah, going to get and, any more but, adult physically. And as a society, we just say they are not mentally 
you're an adult when you're 21 and you can drink legally or whatever. Yeah, they're not they're not mentally uh, capable enough to handle adult decisions. Yeah, I mean it's it comes down to like no society judges purely based on physical. It, it's got, they've all got their own rules and so forth. And dwarves, and if, if this high elf is 110 years old. Uh, they they are probably in human terms they're probably perfectly capable of making adult decisions I would assume it's just that compared to the person who is eight hundred years old they're probably going eh you got a little while to go yet you're kind of yeah. a kid still you know but I mean even with humans in World of Warcraft humans reach maturity like they're considered adults at fifteen sixteen um Varian Varian was taking the throne when he was what seventeen eighteen I think yeah and that's he, when he, he was, was crowned taking- king. He was taking the throne after being the de facto king since yeah. he was like ten. Yeah. So I mean, and the way I've personally um, treated in my writing how I've treated long-lived races and things like childhood and physical maturity is, if you look at things that are alive in general, it's not particularly good for you to take a really long time to reach physical capability. Nope. Uh, humans actually take long, I think, longer than almost everything else on the planet to become uh, coordinated as a moving object. Uh, yeah, and, and we do. So, we have special reasons for that in terms of like the way we're set up biologically. Um, we have to be born extremely immature compared to other species because we have such large heads. So if yeah. humans were born, if humans actually matured as much in in utero as other animals did, we wouldn't be able to be born. Right, and so when you're talking about elves who live a thousand years, I don't think that scales on the same scale. You're not going to be like, okay, they have to be ten years old, and now they can be called a toddler. Like, I don't think it. I I wouldn't believe it would work that way because that's a really good way for your species to not live. Yeah. Uh, uh, The way I view it is, they would reach you know physical maturity at roughly the same rate as humans, if humans are our baseline of you know physical growth. Roughly the same rate as humans until they hit some version of adulthood and they kind of go into a stasis or a much slower growth and aging from that point. That's yeah. how I always view it. Because otherwise, <laughs> if you're going to be a toddler for 10 years, your species is dead. You're just dead. That's not gonna work. <laughs> it's not going to work at all. But yeah, the the I mean, if you want to look at it, if you want to use the RPG source guides as like a frame of reference... They say adulthood is anywhere from 110 to 300, and that's still a giant gap of time. I mean, you're looking at – that's like almost 200 years in between. So where does it fall? Yeah. don't know. What, Make an what educated this, guess. Yeah. What makes this night elf an adult at 111 and this night elf is an adult at 300? Uh, you're going to have to talk to someone Right of passage? I don't know. Be yeah. creative. But <laughs> next, and, and kind of – I know, just wanted to mention this before we move on. Um. Uh, there's a lot of people when the elves come up in like the queue and stuff. It's like uh, I can't imagine, you know, a creature that is 500 years old putting up the conversation with something that's you know 25 years old. Um, uh, think about the people you know in your life. Find the men and women who are 40 and 50 years old in your life and still act like total dinguses. And imagine hey, that hi. if hi, uh, imagine <laughs> if if they haven't changed at all. In all the time you've known them, in all the time they've been alive, 500 years from now, if they were still alive, they'd still probably be a dingus. Yeah. Being a dingus is ageless. It transcends but, uh, time itself. 
The next email is from Valinor, a night elf rogue, Duraton US. Uh, greetings, watchers, longtime listener, and I'm really enjoying the new lore podca- podcast. Well, thank you. Uh, Dan, you should say thank you as well. Thank you. <laughs> that wasn't prompted at all. No, really, I it's do mostly, appreciate it. Honestly, the podcast <laughs> is mostly Anne's doing, Anne and, and Joe. So. Uh, my question is about night elf lore. It seems like night elves are in a strange place right now in the story. Now, Furin and Taronda are very confusing to me as class leaders. I assume he means race leaders, but because they don't provide a lot of direction to the story of the night elves. Even though Malfurion is one of my favorite characters, making him a, a neutral leader makes it hard for his story as a leader for his people. Uh, Taronda has done almost nothing since Vanilla. She was a boss in the Caverns of Time and Cataclysm and had a small cameo in a scenario, which really confused me because Blizzard made her look, look ineffectual compared to Varian. Uh-huh. What would you like to see happen with the Night Elves? What about their leadership? If Malfurion and Taronda were ever to step down, who could take their place? Thanks for the great content every week, uh, Valinor, Night Elf, Rogue, Dortenuous. Say it, Before Rossi, because get... I know you want to say it. Well, yes, obviously Chandris could take over. There you go. But before we even get rolling on this, I'm going to say this. If you want to see an interesting take on Taronda, go read War Crimes. Yeah. Um, because Taronda, Taronda comes off really different and interesting there and kind of goes back to her Warcraft 3 roots a little bit. Where a she doesn't really ask, there's there's no discussion with anybody she doesn't like you know clear it with anyone like no no guys with like chicken feet and like moose beards she just kind of goes and does it and yep. it, it's really you have to go see it I don't want to like spoil too much but I'm gonna let Ian start talking and then I'll probably come in after and I'm, Alex might have some opinions or he might not I don't know I, do. I know he doesn't like Malfurion very much correct so go ahead Ian you want me to start talking let's let Alex talk first come on okay. Okay. Uh, he oh. has opinions. Let him take them. <laughs> this doesn't uh, happen often with lore questions. Go ahead. <laughs> ultimately, to me, it feels like Malfurion, uh, as a neutral leader, they're, they're trying to do too many things with him. They want him to be a leader of the Night Elves. They want him to be uh, a neutral faction leader. They want him to kind of bridge this gap. But at the same time, they have Taronda, who is trying to lead the Night Elves. And clearly, the Night Elves have been very much in direct opposition with these people who have uh, kind of moved into their territory and taken over. And this is a situation you can't easily rectify. When you have these two characters who you want in a relationship and you want them in the story together, but they have completely different goals, if they're always standing at each other's side, both of them become terrible characters. You have to separate them a little bit. I don't mean break them up or divorce them or kill one off. Like, just... They can't always be together. Have Tyrande doing her thing. Have Malfurion doing his thing. Uh, Go do what you're good at. Right. They always seem to... Since bringing back Malfurion, they always try to present them in-game as a pair. It doesn't work that way. They are completely different leaders leading completely different groups of people. Tyrande is Darnassus. Malfurion is Moonglade. Let them do their respective things... And when it's time for them to have relationship time, do it away from the conflicts in these stories. These are people who are representing very different groups in war, in in tragedy, and when they're together, it's them together in a quiet place, I think is the way to handle it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I um, actually, you know, when you're talking about how do you think it should be handled or, you know, what would you like to see happen with the night elves? That's part of what I'd like to see is some kind of division between the two of them. Not, you know, Oh, I hate you or whatever. 
because obviously, you know, they're a couple, they like each other, they get along really well. But the thing is, part of what brought them together and part of what makes them a good couple is the fact that they have strengths that complement each other. And right now, it, they're being presented as, oh, they have the same strengths, they're going to lead the night elves together or whatever. That that doesn't work. Malfurion's got his strengths. He's working with the druids. He's working with the Cenarian Circle. Does he have a degree of neutrality? Yeah, he does. And that might not necessarily work for the night elves as a whole. And then you've got Tyrande, who's working primarily with Darnassus and Alun and the priestesses of Alun and everything, and like the politics side of things that are very night elf centric and not so neutral and are they gonna butt heads over that stuff yeah they probably should but have we seen it no and i kind of want to see it i kind of want to see that happen i i also want to see that dynamic where you know one of them tells the other okay this is your area of expertise you go take care of that i'm gonna go take care of this other thing and we'll get back together and we'll talk it over later you know that kind of thing their disagreements were very much a part of warcraft 3 yeah. Oh, yeah. They Absolutely. Were, uh, they were just not happy about that whole Illidan yeah. thing. <laughs> I mean, it was well established when Craft 3. Like, they were a loving couple with a lot of history, and they still didn't see eye to eye on everything. Two violent ends sometimes. Not between each other, but, you know, Tyrande well, well, did her thing, and there was violence. The part Yeah, she, she Tyrande weak violence against people. The part that kind of um, frustrates me, and I wish we'd see more about this particular dynamic, is where the Night Elves sit in the Alliance itself. Because right now, it seems almost like they're taking like a secondary position where they're not that, you know, you mentioned in your email where, you know, Toronto looked kind of ineffective compared to Varian. And that's that's what I have a problem with is the fact that this race, this particular race in the Alliance is one of the oldest. It is the oldest native Azeroth race in the Alliance. They know their stuff because they've lived through it. And yet you don't see Varian going to them asking for advice or input or guidance or anything else. He basically asks them to follow along with whatever he wants to do. And I mean, we want to talk about age discrepancy and differences and things like that. If Taronda's looking at Varian, Taronda's 10,000 years old. Varian's yeah. like a sneeze to her. You know? Yeah, I, I feel like this is a product of uh, for a, a few expansions there. Blizzard forgot it isn't orcs versus humans anymore. Yeah, and I play human. I like Warcraft humans. Like I really dig them. I think they're really cool. But I still want these other races. Like the Alliance is cool because there's so many cool people in there. There's you know the humans and uh, I don't like gnomes or dwarves. So it's pretty much just humans and Draenei and night elves. I want stuff with them, and it always seemed to come back to humans, humans, I humans. See, I just I want to see that dynamic between Tyrande, Malfurion, and Varian, where Varian's either a asking them for their input, which we might actually see in Legion, because you know, yeah, that's there's a lot of Legion. night elf stuff yeah. in Legion. I'm gonna just I'm gonna flat out say this: wait, you shouldn't be I asking Tyrande anything. I want to oh, okay. finish what I'm saying. You guys saying. haven't let me talk yet. Okay, let me finish what I'm saying here. I want to see either Varian come to them and ask for some kind of advice or something where there's some kind of conflict and Varian tries to intercede or do his whole, ooh, I'm the leader of Alliance intervention thing, like he did with the dwarves, which I never understood why that worked. But if he ever tried to pull that, 
with the night elves where he says, oh, I'm going to appoint you guys a leader. I don't think that'd go over very well. And I want to see that happen. <laughs> I, I, I want to see them clash a little bit. I, I think that'd be fun. I first off want the night elves to remember they have other people besides Taronda and Malfurion. Yeah. And that's a real problem for me in that the night elves don't seem to remember that they do have other people. Uh, one of the things that has always bugged me is that we have had Chandra's Feathermoon sitting at Feathermoon Stronghold for 11 years. This is the possibly most experienced warrior on the planet at this point. She's the best marksman ever. Like, Taronda, I can see not, I should see Taronda not actually knowing all that much about leading a military force because she has not been doing it for 10,000 years. For 10,000 years, she's been a politician. She led, she led forces during the War of the Ancients, but even then she wasn't a frontline leader. She was a inspirational leader. So I'm okay with Varian being better at military tactics than Taronda because Taronda can turn around and say, uh, Chandris, what do we do here? And she has to be like, this is what we do here. And if Chandris has a problem, she could go to Jared's Shadow Song, the guy that fought Archimond <laughs> and lived. You know what I'm saying? This like the idea that the Night Elves need anyone to tell them what to do in the case of a demonic invasion. It's like no, we we, we do in fact have some experience in the. If, I mean, granted, our our go to solution is blow up the planet, so you might not want to actually go that far. But I, I just I don't like the idea that it's constantly just Tronda Malfurion. I want to see Mayav come back and have a role in her society, Ugh. and. Frankly, I, I have so I many want, things I want to see Maya do. <laughs> I, I want, only the only thing I I don't want is Richard Knack's representation of Chandris. I thought it was one of the worst characters he's ever written. Yeah, but I, I understand. The, the thing is, is that Richard Knack's version of Chandris is literally like a, is an adult young, child. Very young, very yeah. very young. That is a child. That's ten thousand years ago. She he, should have grown up over 10,000 right. years. He, but he wrote the same person in Storm Rage. Yeah, she was a still problem. a child, like getting lullabies or whatever from Taronda. It's ridiculous. She's a general of the Sentinels. Wasn't She's that the short total... story and not Storm Rage? It was in Storm Rage. Storm, Ra Storm Rage. Storm Rage. Storm Rage. Uh, when, when Taronda like, first sets out to like find or whatever. It's been a long time since I read this book. I didn't particularly enjoy it. But And Chandris is like, Tronda, don't do whatever. I don't remember. And then they have like a cuddle moment. It was very <laughs> weird and very awkward. And I thought like... That's not how you you act with your your 10,000 years. That's you know. why like, I, I genuinely with, like the short story that came out too. Because there was that dynamic scene, where it was like Chandris was a child. Right, reading that like, scene, I genuinely expected like Tronda to start nursing Chandris or something. It uh, was really creepy. Uh, but that's like that's one of the reasons why I'm talking when I'm when I'm talking about Chandris. I'm talking about the Chandris you get to see a little bit in Tides of War, the one who is the, the night elf war leader. Yeah. yeah. When the night the night elves go to war, they're who she's who they put in charge. She is their high general. She is you know not to be trifled with. The Sentinels are hers. And that's one of the things that's always bothered me is, quite frankly, night elves are a matriarchy. They're a matriarchal culture because for 10,000 years, the men had to go go to sleep from time to time. They were dreaming. And couldn't be around. Yeah. I understand that for game purposes, you know, we've allowed, you know, if you can play a female druid, you can play a male warrior. Their society male is priest. equalizing and that's, yeah. 
yeah, that's their society's equalizing, and that's cool. But that's also a place for story. You know what I mean? And you could have little story bits of like, there's this old night elf priest who just can't accept males in the priesthood. You could do things with it. I'd love to see something done with it. I don't think we ever will get any to see anything done with it. But the fact that Jared Chattersong led their people should be a big deal. Like that's the rough equivalent of if suddenly Stormwind had a queen who was ruling instead of Varian. There's stuff to do with it. It's one of the things that's always bugged me about Night Elves and WoW is that there's no acknowledgement of that. I'm just hoping that we'll see, like I said, in Legion, we'll see some of this, some more Night Elf stuff. I definitely agree that I'd love to see Tyrande just lead her people and not have Malfurion come in every five minutes. But I'm hopeful that we won't have Malfurion doing that because he'll be busy. Yeah, uh, Warcraft 3 really endeared me to the Night Elves and Warcraft's take on Elves. And then World of Warcraft came around, and they they just ignored it. They just kind of dumped it. They went back to orcs versus humans, and that really these really awesome look at these other races in Warcraft Three fell by the wayside. Alrighty, uh, next email is from Atlasar and Ducat for now, at least. Hellfire EU. Uh, Hey, Blizzard Watch crew. Uh, Love the new podcast. Was just listening to your recent discussion of the pros and cons of alts versus one main you do everything with, and I thought I'd throw in my two cents. I recently returned to WoW after a long absence and have been leveling up a bunch of different characters. One thing I've tried to do is focus on leveling in the areas that make sense for the individual character. This means I've only stayed within one expansion's levels for characters if it suits their lore background. For example, keeping a Blood Elf Mage leveling through BC up till around level 75 to see all of the raid content or completing all the Pandarian zones with my Pandaren Monk. Since getting stuck into Warlords of Draenor, I've been playing two characters exclusively through the current content, my Draenei Paladin and Orc Hunter. Not only does this make the, the content feel more relevant, particularly zones like Frostfire Ridge and Talador, but it saves having to complete you know, content with multiple characters. Legion's boost plus hero character is going to make it really easy to bring another two of my alts on the, off the bench down the line. I'm thinking a Night Elf Demon Hunter and a Torn Druid will suit the zones and overall lore of the expansion pretty well. In terms of my current mains, in my mind will be back in Draenor, uh, garrisoning it you know, up with the Legion Comes Calling. Cheers, uh, Altasar and Dukat. Well, I'm not, I'm not trying to argue with how you want to do it. Uh, I have a real problem doing, like, here's an example of something I tried doing. I tried playing a Tauren from, like, level 1 through 20, and it gets hard to justify doing stuff on that Tauren. Like, I, I can't take my Tauren to Ashara and help the goblins do unspeakably horrible things to the Earth Mother. And it's not much more acceptable to go up over to, you know, Estranar and be like, you know, standing on the dead Night Elves on my druid. Do you know what I'm saying? Like my torn druids have yes. a hard time with this concept. It's like, Oh, Hey, look, didn't wouldn't she, I think she came by Moonglade one time. How you, how you, Oh, you're dead. And we're standing on you. Great. Well, I'm going to head South to stone talent. Oh, we're blowing up a druid school. Are we? Well, well then that's great. So, I have trouble with this is what I'm saying. Like, like it's really hard for me to like and going to the eastern plague eastern kingdoms sorry eastern plague lands, going to the eastern kingdoms isn't much better because i mean what what's my option here forsaken do, yeah do the forsaken on my druid is like really it's constantly i have trouble with this scenario no we're just going to keep going okay yeah i i've formed a kind of separation in my mind of the character i'm playing versus the content i'm participating in like i've never done that thing where i'm like 
I this expansion is Draenei stuff, so I'm going to roll a Draenei. It's like, okay, well, if I want to play a Draenei, I'll just do one, but I'm still going to do it on the characters I have. Like, I don't feel like I need to be playing the appropriate race to be invested. I'm not saying it's wrong to play that way, it's just I've never felt that compulsion. I did with Warlords of Draenor. <laughs> I actually rolled a Draenei alt because I really wanted to play a Draenei through Warlords of Draenor, so I thought that would be fun. Yeah, I, I had a Draenei, so it wasn't like I had to do anything there. I just played it. I, I haven't played an orc through the other side, though. All of I, my I, characters inevitably become humans, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm playing the first human I've played in years right now, and the only reason it's fun to play is just because I get to play with my wife, and I get to see like the the. I'll give this playing a human through the Elwyn slash Westfall slash Red Ridge thing. It's really weird because you get to see how incredibly dysfunctional the Kingdom of Stormwind was around Cataclysm time. Yeah, this is a mess. It is. It did not get any less messy once Anixia was taken care of, unfortunately. She did her job and did it well. (laughs) It really felt like uh, after the events of Wrath of the Lich King and the Cataclysm, the Horde kind of entered some sort of golden age of sorts, and the Alliance was left with ramshackle ruins. That was was always the feeling I got. Like, I know the Horde had problems with Garrosh and all the drama, but they came out a superpower, and the Alliance, to maintain power... Everything around them turned to ruins. I definitely, I mean, I don't know about, like, I wouldn't say that was the case for the dwarves, and the night elf stuff doesn't play that way, because I, I did play a night elf up to level 20 recently. She's 24 now, actually. It's funny, for the night elves, it feel, you feel like see, under siege. Because I have a night elf right now who's I guess more, more specifically, talking orcs versus humans, there's like an orc golden age, and the humans, to yeah. hold on to any power, had to let everything else go to waste. Yeah, yeah. the human stuff is really dark. Like, um, there's just the, there's, there's some lines, the John Keishan stuff is like, it's basically Rambo. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's Rambo. It's, it's the first blood movies, but it, there's some dialogue in there. Like the orcs, I'm just going to say it. I don't think this is actually bleepable, but it's pretty creepy. The orcs are using Keishan as a urinal. That's Ew. a line in a quest. That's a line in a quest. I didn't make that up. Ah, say that again. They're, the orc young the young orc warriors when Keishan was captured they used him as a urinal it's in there Ugh. my wife my wife read it and was like oh my god and I was like you're kidding me yeah I never paid much I I have an aversion to pop culture quests and knowing that is Rambo I was like oh, just get it over with yeah it's it's actually fairly dark and creepy I was like oh man I can't wait to get this over with but yes. you know again it, it's it's more fun because I'm playing with my mom with my wife so it's just not. Not not as bad, but yeah. yeah. So I I get what you're saying, and there is some truth to it in terms of like you know playing the character to suit his own. But I, I don't know. I I just I like my main. I I can't really say that I don't. So yeah, the one thing I can't do is there's I have I have a lot of characters, but there's like two to three that are always gonna be the ones I have to come back to, and they're always the ones that hit level 100. It's like my paladin. My priest, my rogue, they're all, no, my paladin, my warrior, my rogue, they're always going to hit max level. All the time. And I can't imagine a universe in which I abandon those characters, because I've been playing them so long, I'm so attached. But beyond that, what I play past those three is whatever I feel like on any given day. Yeah, 
I'm kind of the same way. I actually, um, now that I've unlocked flying, I, I'm going to take my priest to Draenor and level her through flying through zones and finding rares and picking them up because people have told me that this is a really easy way to level. <laughs> so I want to see exactly how that works. I'm like, ah, oh, I got an ult I could do that with. Let's see how this, you know, how it functions. But yeah, my priest, my rogue, and my shaman. I want to get my shaman to 100 too because I like her. Okay, uh, what's the next email? <laughs> Sorry, I thought you guys would talk more. <laughs> Trying to wet my throat so I didn't um, I didn't croak like a frog. The next one is from uh, Nilaios. Uh, yeah, Nilaios, I believe. Nilaios. Uh, this one's really mostly about Anne of the people here. So Really? Greetings, watchers. I loved watching Anne live tweet her experience playing the Mass Effect trilogy for the oh. first time. It's my <laughs> first favorite game. I've also enjoyed all the tweets between Anne, Liz, and the rest of the Twitter discussing Dragon Age and, of course, Mass Effect. I was wondering if part of the new Blizzard Watch Tavern you would ever do a special tavern podcast of non-Blizzard discussion. Not that I don't love all the actual Blizzard discussion you do, otherwise I wouldn't have you know followed you here from the site you know that won't be named. But it's great to hear you discuss other games every once in a while. Nilly else. Maybe someday. Uh, the thing about that is, well, let's let's, let's keep this one in. brief. Podcasts, no, just podcasts are hard to do. They take up a lot of time. They take up a lot of effort. More People time than you would think. <laughs> yeah, like to do this one-hour podcast, we're on we're on Skype for like two and a half hours, and then I have to like audio edit yeah. <laughs> on top of that. Yeah, it, it takes longer than you'd think. <laughs> we mentioned it before, but also when you break it down to man hours, if we're here for if all three of us are here for two hours, and only recently it's the three of us. We usually had Adam here too, so four of us. Uh, if you say all of us are here for two hours. That is four people, two hours, eight hours of manpower that we could have been doing something else with. Mm -hmm. uh, we enjoy doing the podcast, but when you break it down to eight hours, how much more could we have gotten done in that eight hours? Yeah. And for that, you know, even if for one podcast or even two, one podcast a week and then another one every couple of weeks, that's one thing. To throw on a third podcast, that's that's a lot. Um, and and, and the live stream. <laughs> yeah. Uh, basically, what I'll say about the tavern in general is I'm not ruling anything out. Um, I'm not going to say we're doing something. I'm going to say we're not doing something. There's lots of types of content I want to do, both for Blizzard Watch and the tavern. Blizzard Watch obviously being my priority. Um, you might get podcasts on the tavern, but if you do, it'll probably be a different format than what this is. And hopefully that when that time comes, which could be a very long time from now, I hope you'll enjoy it. That's all we can say about that right now. Yep. So now we're going to move on because I think we're getting pretty close to the end and these emails are fairly long. So I'm going to move on to this one, which is from James Iogan or Logan. I'm not sure which. Uh, Logan. Morgan Rogue. Morgan Rogue. I U.S. Greetings, glorious trio of Blizzard voyeurs and guests. Oh, while listening to a previous podcast, I came up with some simple answers to role-playing panda questions. Number one, this is all a twisted hallucination from drinking Mudbug's brew that was tainted with bad water and Shaw energy. Two, your panda is not actually at the Wrathgate. Putress's pu uh, plague, uh, plague uh, batch went bad, and instead of killing everyone, they see pandas. Uh, number three, Outland, Lorewalker Cho screwed up his dream brew, and now you are stuck in a flashback of slash graphic novel-inspired retelling of old war stories, uh, you know, heard told in a local pub. Thanks for all you do, and keep up the good work and the laughter. Um, 
the I context just... of this being how do you role play a pandaren doing content that takes place before Mr. Pandaria? Yes, which we talked about last week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think basically speaking, sure, whatever floats you. I just, just you know, I just assume honestly, you 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 level up through one to sixty as a pandaren going. Yeah, that dragon really messed everything up. Then you go to Outland and go, yeah, that that orc really messed everything up. Then you go to Northrend and you're like, yeah, that dead guy really messed everything up. <laughs> then you come back and you're like, yeah, that dragon really did mess everything up. And then you're back to Pandaria and you're like, I've never been here before, even though I'm a Pandaren because I lived on a turtle my whole life. <laughs> you're probably pretty good at going with the flow at that point. I lived because... on a turtle. <laughs> I just... <laughs> It's true. I grew up on a turtle. I don't know who these people are. <laughs> Shadow Pan? I never heard of that. I live on a turtle. <laughs> I guess, like, you know, occasionally you might go to the beach the turtle comes from originally and be like, this is where our turtle left from. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you know. Pandering my house just was nut. here once. <laughs> yeah. Back when my turtle was small enough that you could just, one guy could ride on its back. This is where it lived. But then it went out into the ocean, and now we all live on it. You know, it's just, you know, when you realize that, you know, you're not even playing... When you're playing a pandaren, you're not playing any of the pandaren you meet, like, in, in the, like, ni- the like 85 to 90 Mr. Pandaria experience. Those people are just as foreign to you as they are to everybody else. Because you've been living on a turtle your whole life, and that turtle's been out there for hundreds of years. And as far as you're concerned, Pandaria is as much like a legend and a myth as as it is to anybody else on Azeroth, really. I mean, there are stories about it, and obviously you must have come from somewhere, and the turtle came from somewhere, but not everyone really, you know, knows if that's just a legend or or, or what. It's pretty obvious that the people on the turtle, you know, don't, Shenzhen Su, people living there, don't really care. Like, you're one of the few people who cares. They're like, yeah, this is home. They're, they're, they're cool with living on the turtle. I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, once you've, once you've gotten over the fact that you start the game on a turtle and you spend 10 levels deciding, like, you know, on the turtle's back, deciding, who do I like better, red or blue? Because that's ultimately all it comes down to in terms of your choices. You know nothing about these two groups. You just you, work you a little aside. tiny bit with both of them. So it's like, well, which one do I like a little better? I don't know. I'm picking a side, and I, I'm basically picking a side based on the fact that G is kind of an impulsive hothead. <laughs> so I like blowing up things. So, yeah, I'm going with G. Or, no, nah, when he blew that thing up, he hurt the turtle. I didn't now, care granted, for that. Granted, the turtle was going to get hurt either way because these weird strangers crashed their giant flying skyboat into it. But I'm still going to go with the skyboat people and not the... Not the blowing up people, I guess. <laughs> so, playing a pandaren is nuts, is what I'm saying. Pandarin is so weird. <laughs> yeah. Once you start thinking about it too hard, it's not going to make any sense. Just, just, just go. You know, your pandaren is exploring the world, and if he sees stuff that makes absolutely no sense, he's probably okay with that. Because if he wasn't, he never would have left the turtle in the first place. Okay. Do you think we have time for one more email, or should we wrap it up? Why don't you do the last one? It's kind of short. Alrighty, we'll go for the last one. 
Greetings. What do you think of adding two of the characters and the cars, of course, from Rock and Roll Racing to the cast of Heroes of the Storm? Say Jake Badlands in a red car with yellow flames and Katarina Lyons in a blue car with white flames. They'd have equally enthusiastic working together as against each other, as long as there's mayhem and good rock tunes involved. Perhaps with some synergy abilities with one of the same team. Uh, since the cars are armed with weapons and CC abilities already, they feel like a pretty natural fit for Heroes of the Storm, and it would be a nice nod to Blizzard's past, I think. Same goes for, for Kyle Valaros slash the Blackthorn. Well, only odd bit might be having the cars restricted to running pace, but if it works for Sergeant Hammer's siege tank, it should work for the cars too. Perhaps even making a rock and roll racing themed map or two? Thoughts? My thoughts are I'm much more interested in the Blackthorn thing because I've actually honestly never gotten to play rock and roll racing. Of all of Blizzard's games, current and legacy, the one that seems to fit Heroes of the Storm for me the least is rock and roll racing. I want a map. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how they would make that work. I want that a said, map. I just I don't want care a if map. they do it. <laughs> I mean, they can do it if they want. They can add those characters. I won't complain. It just seems like that's the one that doesn't fit in. Well, I mean, you, you could have said that about Lost Vikings, but they found a way. Not really. I mean, those are still. I mean, they're Vikings, but they still kind of look like fantasy-ish, like not real characters. And the the, the characters in Rock and Roll Racing are not just humans and race cars, but still, they're in race cars. I don't have to tell you, man. I, I, I've never played rock and roll racing. It's the one I have not even seen. I've gotten to play Blackthorn. I've, I've done like pretty much everything else. I even got to play the Death and Return of Superman, which, of course, is not going to be in Heroes of the Storm anytime soon. No. But uh, this is the one that I, I honestly just can't have an opinion. I, thought, I think, Ann, you've played it, haven't you? Yeah, a little. I mean, it was a very, very, very long time ago. Like, and I was very young, so I don't remember a whole lot about it, except that we had a lot of fun playing it, my, my siblings and I. But, I mean, a map. I want to see I want to see a map, a rock and roll racing themed map. I think that'd be cool. Um, as far as the characters go, I mean, I guess you could throw the characters in there. I mean, we got Sergeant Hammer with the tank thing, and, and you got Morales who does the whole, um, oh my gosh, what do they call that with the ship? Medivac. Evac? Thank yeah. you. <laughs> the word was just like on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, the so dropship, right? You, you've got like a character. Yeah. Yeah, like the dropship. You've got like a character, a character vehicle thing going already. You've had those before. Yeah, so, I mean, that's not what bothers me. a stretch to go person with a race car. But it's, it's that Heroes of the Storm is this blend of fantasy and sci-fi, and then you just have like a, a, a person in a race car. I mean, it's not like a transformer race car. It's not like a although a, you could do a hover car. I just, just I want to see I want to see maps and levels that are based because we there's not most of the maps they aren't they're kind of like high fantasy theme or whatever. But I want to see like a variety of maps. So yeah, do a Lost Vikings themed map, or or do a rock and roll racing themed map, or do a Blackthorn. Map. You know, do maps for these other games. Um, I think that would be kind of fun and entertaining at this point i'm going to say the thing that i'm going to say which is that that wraps us up for today and would you like to tell our listeners about how they can join our team and support blizzard watch yeah sure blizzard watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzard watch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or even the queue and an ads free site experience Thank you, Ann. Thanks for joining us, everyone. If you have questions you'd like answered on the show, don't forget that you can email them to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. I'm Matt Rossi, and we'll see you next week. 